Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the Rabbit Hole Show. Um, as always, we all have a story. We all have struggles, and the good news is we're not alone. This week, I'm joined uh, by a friend, lifelong friend of our families, uh, Eric Thomas. Uh, welcome, and thanks for being here. Well, good to see you, Chad. I still remember uh, first birthday party I ever attended of yours, and uh, who was it? Jeff Gordon? Uh, the, yep. the car, some car. I think was it was Jeff Gordon was there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if Jeff Gordon no, was he there, won, but the car was yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of his uh, practice cars or Correct, something there. Yeah, yeah. That was that was really cool. So. Uh, well, good, good to see you, my friend. Yeah, we were just at the Panthers game together. Yep, our first win of the season um, against the New Orleans Saints. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. I'm taking credit for it because yeah. uh, they you were won there. and yeah. I showed up. Yeah. So anyway, um, and my mom just reminded me that um, I think it was a Sunday afternoon or evening when we met thirty, you know, or twenty some years ago at McDonald's. Oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't remember that until she told me that. Well. Like, so I wouldn't expect you to remember it. You were probably three. Yeah, I was young. You know, yeah, yeah. You got you and uh, Tyler, my son, were on the playground, and uh, your dad, who's never met a stranger, no, uh, started talking to us. And next thing I know, we were like BFFs, you know. Yep. So going to checkers games together, yeah, and whatnot. So. Yeah, yeah. No, um, it's a blessing, you know, knowing you know your dad, you and your entire family, your mom, uh, yeah. your sister, everybody's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for being here and oh, for sure. uh, your vulnerability to share your story and just have a conversation with me and for our listeners to hear. Yeah, a- absolutely. You know, for me, you know, uh, my life really was not very eventful, um, mm-hmm. but but in a way, that's a blessing, mm-hmm. y- 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 you know, and, um, you know, a lot of people now have uh, come become familiar with me. You know, with the whole forever family thing that we do on WBTV, still going, by the way, even though I've retired. Yeah. Uh, so you can still see us. Uh, I, I didn't mean to turn this into a commercial, but it's uh, every Tuesday at seven o'clock on WBTV. So, <laughs> but yeah, we uh, during the newscast it, uh, on, on uh, Tuesdays, seven o'clock, we uh, feature another child who is uh, in the area mm-hmm. uh, in, in foster care. And we're just trying to call attention to these these kids, you know, who need a family. They need a mm-hmm. home. You know, and, um, you know, I remember every Friday at noon, you know, on, on WBTV, we would bring in a dog or a cat, Mm -hmm. you know, and Hey, you know, who wants to adopt, you know, this, this dog. And uh, look, I love animals as much as the next guy. I mean, we've had pets and, uh, I finally went down the hall and I said, Hey, you know, um, I love animals, but, um, we have kids who would love to be adopted too in the community. Mm -hmm. Um, any chance maybe we could feature them, you know, and it took a little while, um, but uh, it finally happened about five years ago and uh, it's still going strong. So we're, what was, we're why did it take so long? Because, I mean, children need a home instead of animals, but, you know, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where, you, you know, you just got to keep knocking on that door and keep pounding until it opens. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't, you know, it's not you know, newscasts, they don't have as much time for the content that they, you know, that they air that you may think they do because there's a lot of commercials in there, you know, especially more nowadays. Yeah. And so you get a little bit of news in there and then you hit a commercial and then you get into weather and then you get into sports. Next thing you know, the newscast is over, Mm -hmm. you know? And so for somebody to come along and say, you know, I think, I think it boils down to like eight or nine minutes, you know, of news. Wow. Yeah, really. And that's in a 30 minute segment. Yeah. Right. At least, you know, and now maybe there's like a kicker story at the end or something Mm -hmm. like that. But so if, you know, suddenly you show up and say, hey, why don't we uh, take two minutes and uh, feature a child? 
you know, who needs to be adopted. It's like, whoa, wait a minute, two minutes. That's like 25% of the entire A block. Yeah. You know, and um, so, you know, everybody's sort of stuck in their ways and you're thinking, I don't have that kind of time to give up, you, you know? Yeah. And so, but you know, when there's a, if there's a will, there's a way. And, it, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I think finally, well, you know, you want to talk about divine intervention. I yeah. mean, we, we, we can talk about uh, maybe if the Lord had had a hand in this, but uh, I really wasn't getting very far, mm-hmm. you, you know, trying to convince the uh, management there to to do this. Um, but they were being gracious. I mean, they were listening and thinking about it, if you will. And all of a sudden, one day, there's a cold call, literally a cold call that comes into my boss's office. And it was uh, Gia, who is uh, the executive director of Forever Family in Florida. Mm-hmm. And out of the blue, she just calls uh, my boss and says, Hey, I just want to introduce myself to you. My name is Gia and um, we have this program called Forever Family, whereas, you know, once a week we feature a child who uh, is uh, in foster care and, um, you know, we, we, we want to offer you our service, you know, whereby, you know, you would showcase a child, you know, once a week uh, on one of your newscasts and, um, you know, do a great deed, a great public service. And, uh, my boss said, well, what's involved for us? And, and they said, well, really nothing. I said, they said, we will produce it. We will write it. We will edit it. We will send it to you. Uh, all you, if you want, you don't even have to, but if you want, you can provide somebody to kind of front it. Mm-hmm. Um, b- but you don't have to. Um, and then we, we will send it. It's a turnkey proposition. Correct, in, yeah. in other words, you don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. We do everything. And it's a good service. It's needed. Yes. And so my, so my boss, you know, of course, cause the resources are, are stretched you know, TV stations now. So, so that sounded good. And so then finally my boss said, well, how much is this? And the, uh, and Gia said, it's, uh, it's free. And my boss said, when can you be here? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, cause she said, you know, we, we, it's a matter of fact, we happen to have somebody who would be perfect for this because mm-hmm. she knew that I was been pounding on her door, yeah. you know, to do this. And I wanted to be that advocate, mm-hmm. you know? And so Gia showed up, uh, now her, uh, her name is Gia Tudelo Moat. Uh, and uh, so they, they called her up from Florida and uh, they are tied in basically forever family. I always have a tough time describing them because they are so much more than what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. But I just to make to make the explanation easy, I always refer to them as sort of the production company. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're the ones who are responsible for providing the photographers and shooting it and editing it, and writing and putting it all together. Um, but, but they're really even more than that, but, but for simplicity, I'll refer to them as a, as a production, you know, yep. the, the side of it. And so then the question becomes is, well, who's providing the children, mm-hmm. you know, that, that we see every week. And that would be seven homes incorporated. Okay. And they're, they're based in Winston Salem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, Ken Maxwell is the executive director up there. And they, again, what they do, what we do is we do this four times a year and we, we round up Ken rounds up, you know, he talks to social services around the state and rounds up these children. And then we will all gather somewhere in the state um, and really give these kids a special day. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, whether it's at Carowinds or whether we're down in Wilmington, taking a boat over the ocean, oh, nice. you know, and everything in between mountains, we've done everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we give these kids like a really special day. And then we sit down just as you and I are doing right now, yep. you know, we interview them and, um, you know, get to know them. And, uh, hopefully likewise, you know, the, the people watching get, feel like that they've got to know them a little bit and think, gee, I'm mm-hmm. going to pick up the phone and, um, you know, call my neighbor who wants to adopt, you, yeah. you know, or something like that, or maybe even themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's worked out really, really well. 
you, you know, and uh, two out of three kids that we have that we feature get matched wow. two out of three. That's, um, that's big. It, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, because otherwise, if, if these kids aren't being featured, you know, on the air, nobody knows about them. Correct. Yeah. You know, and they flounder in foster care for years, you know, and that's traumatic uh, in many cases. For the kids, it can it, be. It can be. Yeah. I mean, uh, on the flip side, you know, it's a lot better than the situation they were pulled out of. Yes. You, you know, yes. Um, I mean, some of the situations these foster children are in are unspeakable, mm. unspeakable, you know, situations that they're in. And uh, so the, 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 the foster families and the foster parents who are out there are angels of mercy in most cases. Now, of course, you know, you know how news works. You know, you're going to hear about the one exception out of 100. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That there was a bad foster parent out there. And and so, you know, it only takes one to give foster families and foster parents a bad name. But I Which can, is sad. But yeah. But I can tell you most most of the by far the vast majority of foster parents out there are unbelievable people. Because yeah. if you think about it, in a way, it's almost a, it's almost harder to be a foster parent because you uh, you have a child that comes into your house and mm-hmm. you connect with that child. Mm-hmm. And and then uh, one day that child leaves. And, and that's got to be like losing a child, Great, <laughs> you, yeah. you know, but yet they still put themselves through that. To, to put a roof over the head takes a special person yeah yeah um so what made you want to get involved with um you know the foster and bringing that to the news i mean it's a big need but you personally why see, well yeah see and, and that gets back to the first thing i told you is i mm-hmm. said my life wasn't very eventful and and the reason why my life wasn't very eventful is because um i was an unplanned pregnancy mm-hmm. and and so in 1960 i was uh i was born from a teenage mom um, who was out of wedlock. Uh, and it, yeah, I got to tell you, you know, in 1960, uh, if if you were getting pregnant before you got married, um, especially if you were a teenager, that was a big, big no, no. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it was you and me a little bit talking at the game or maybe it was your dad. But uh, <coughs> I remember um, uh, looking at uh, I have an uh, I don't smoke, but I have an mm-hmm. ashtray. You know, they used yeah. to make these ashtrays you know, and put like pictures on them, mm-hmm. <clears throat> like mem- mem- memorabilia, you know, or sports memorabilia. Yeah. And I have an ashtray at my house that shows Bill Mazeroski crossing home plate uh, after he hit a home run to win the World Series in mm-hmm. 1960 against the New York Yankees. And if you, you're seeing Bill Mazeroski uh, stepping on home plate and then you see all the fans in the stadium. Well, if you look closely, you'll see that all the men in the stadium were wearing coats and ties. Yep. Suits and ties at a baseball game. You don't see that uh, today. You don't see that at church anymore. No. You know, and 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 so it gives you an idea of what the culture <laughs> was like back in 1960. I mean, these guys are wearing, you know, sh- shirts and ties and coats and ties to a baseball game, you know, so you, you you can see how it was a very sort of a stringent kind of a formal society back mm-hmm. then and um and my goodness gracious, if you were pregnant as a teenager, uh, you were sort of a castaway, yeah. you know, and so I'm so thankful because despite, you know, that predicament that she was in, um, you know, she didn't abort me. Now, granted, I think abortion was illegal back then, but trust me, people were it, having it, abortions, yeah. you know, and and so she she went through all the embarrassment, uh, the humiliation, you know, whatever, you know, society thought of her back then mm-hmm. uh, to carry me to term. Uh, and then, of course, she went through the physical trauma. You know, walking around with a baby in your belly for, you know, nine months. Uh, And then, of course, the 
the the physical hardship of giving birth. Yeah. And, and you know, let's face it, back in 1960, giving birth was probably a different ball game than it is today, too. I would, yeah, much yeah, different. I would think. You know, you know, with technology and everything. But and so anyway, she went through all of that, made all these sacrifices, you know, just to give me that first breath of air. Yeah. Um, and I've always just been so grateful, you know, when I think about, you know, that, you yeah. know, what, what she went through. And then, of course, you know, then um, thankfully I was adopted uh, through a family connection. Mm-hmm. Um, her doctor happened to be related to my my family. And so her doctor called up my mom one day and said, hey, I know you can't have any more children. Um, we're Catholics. And back then Catholics love having big families, you know? <laughs> and, and so anyway, uh, her doctor called up my family, called up my mom and said, Hey, I, I know you, you can't have any more kids. Endometriosis. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, uh, I have a baby here for you. Are you interested in, 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 in this baby? And I think before my mom even hung up the phone and asked my dad, she said, yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, sign me up. So, so I was adopted through a family connection and, uh, I never had to endure, you know, the foster care system. Mm-hmm. I never had to wonder, uh, why I wasn't worthy enough to mm-hmm. be called someone's son or daughter. You know, I mean, these kids in foster care, they, they may ask those questions for years. Yeah. You know, um, why am I not worthy enough? You know, it's something we all take for granted, you know, and, uh, as we should. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it was just all of those things that just made me so grateful, um, for all the opportunities I was given. And, and so that's what motivated to, um, y- y- you know, try to use the megaphone that I was given, you know, yeah. and, and try to speak up and give a voice to those who don't have voices. It's powerful and needed. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and we are all love, but a lot of us don't, you know, see that. Yeah. And that's tough. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's been one of, if not the most rewarding things, you know, I've ever been lucky enough to be a part of, Yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, I hope, I hope it keeps going, you know, yeah. for, for a long, long time. Um, and, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see, but, uh, so far so good, you know, so is, and that's well, been five years. Yeah. And it's Tuesdays at seven o'clock yeah, on WBTV. So everyone tune in to that. Yeah. Tuesday at seven. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 it used to come up right before the weather around, you know, quarter after mm-hmm. uh, they've there. But who knows? You know, they might have shuffled the deck there a little yeah, bit. You're not yeah. you're not in production anymore involved in that. You're enjoying retirement. I am enjoying retirement. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, I always tell people that I think I ended up in the right business because I love what happens behind the camera as much as I did in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. And and so I've um, been able to uh, snatch up some some more of uh, toys. <laughs> and uh i've been uh, out filming uh whatever whatever moves or walks or talks um mm-hmm. and uh so i've been enjoying that um you know some of the things i've been doing is a lot of real estate mm-hmm. um but that's cooled off a little bit now that the mortgage rates are shooting up yep. and uh, the home buying is starting to cool off a little bit uh, but i've been shooting real estate i've been shooting a lot of events mostly nonprofit, mm-hmm. which again you talk about rewarding that that's been great uh, and also like, I'm trying to get more into shooting a business and professional profiles, Okay, you know, um, because people want their story told, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so that's, um, you know, something that I would enjoy doing cause I enjoy the storytelling, you know, and, and letting somebody else's story be told, you know, through, through my lens. Uh, but, um, what was I going to say about the, uh, let's see the real estate. Oh, well the events, let me talk a little bit more about that because, um, it's just been, it's, it's just been gratifying. Um, 
you know, I shot the, uh, the, the go gen go 5k, mm. which was back in, I think March. And that that's an event that raises money for, uh, families that are dealing with breast cancer. Mm. Um, so it's not specifically raising money for like breast cancer research. Uh, it's, it's providing resources just for families who are in a pinch mm-hmm. because their medical bills are so high and they can't, you know, buy, put food on the table, right. you know, things like that. So that's a great, great cause. Um, I shot the, uh, big gala in May. It was the, uh, strong, like AK mm-hmm. gala AK stands for Adam Kincaid. Okay. And uh, this whole event revolved around, um, his plight, which, uh, was pediatric cancer. And Adam died. Uh, he was around 17, maybe 18, um, a couple of years ago. And so now they are rallying the cause behind him and raising money for, uh, pediatric cancer. Mm-hmm. And specifically, they are wanting to build a house right up there by the Levine Cancer Center mm-hmm. um, for families, especially who are coming here from out of town uh, for, for treatment. And uh, this way they don't have to stay in some, you know, one room hotel, you know. They're some- here for a while, generally. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. So so that, that house is, um, you know, really important just to let people have some normality, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so there's that. Um, I shot a uh, sarcoma which is a rare disease. A lot of people haven't even heard of it. I don't know what that is. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a form of cancer. I think it's like a bone cancer Mm -hmm. uh, of some sort, but I mean, it can, it can spread it just about anywhere, but that that's, that's one uh, big deal because they want to, um, the problem is because a lot of people haven't heard about it. You know, there's not as much money raised. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, but just things like that, you know, that I've been, uh, I just shot, uh, I was just down at Camp Thunderbird on Lake Wiley yep. uh, last, was it last weekend, maybe two weekends ago now um, for children down there with uh, uh, physical disabilities. So um, it was nice to be able to, you know, help, help them get the word out. Yeah. You know, so it's funny how the word gets around when, um, you know, when pe- people discover that, hey, call Eric uh, for your <laughs> nonprofit, you know, because yeah. he's cheap, you know, and, and, and really, I mean, and, and that's fine. I'm fine being cheap. Yeah. You know, because uh, I want to help these. I want to help these nonprofits. They need help. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so that's that's pretty much where I am right. And then on Monday, Tuesdays, and <laughs> oh my gosh. Thursdays. Oh, geez, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What are you doing I, those uh, nights? <laughs> it's my bucket list. Yeah. So one of the things I always dreamed about. See, because you know when you're in TV, you know what they say about television. You know, if you want to succeed in television, you have to be at work when everybody else is at home. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, otherwise nobody's watching. Yeah. So, so when are you at work? Well, it's evenings, um, it's early mornings or it's weekends, you, you know? And, and so for 38 years, I was working evenings, you know, on the newscast. And, uh, when I was in high school, I, I was, I, I, I was a big bowler, mm-hmm. you know, um, <laughs> you know, I, I like to tell people that I was a quarterback of the football team, but it didn't quite work out. So I bowled, <laughs> you know, and I was also the ping pong champion. Oh, okay. So you can tell what a loser I was. But anyway, <laughs> uh, thank God we didn't have social media back then. Uh, but anyway, so I um I lettered in bowling. Again, another embarrassing admission. So they had that at your school. Yes. See, they don't have that. Yeah, I would have really? done something like that. Yeah, really? I yeah. Mean, I'm not good, but I would have enjoyed, enjoyed bowling. Yeah. No, it was. I mean, we had a huge, huge I mean, we'll get back to your Monday, Tuesday, Thursday here in just a minute, but uh <laughs> But yeah, we had a huge high school. Um, uh, it was a suburb of Pittsburgh. And um, we were the third high school in the nation to get an AstroTurf football field. This is back in the early 70s. Wow. So they poured, I mean, the, the, the school taxes in that township were just through the roof, but they, they spent the money well. 
Um, I mean, I know a lot of people might think, well, football field, I don't know if that's really spending the money well, but I mean, we had fine arts wings. We had, we had a planetarium, a planetarium in a high school. Wow. It was more modern than the Buell planetarium in Pittsburgh <laughs> at the science center. Um, we had an Olympic sized indoor swimming pool. We had woodworking and metalworking, which uh, an auto mechanics wing. So there was just, it was unbelievable. Like a little mini college campus. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, because of that, you know, well, when you have 3000 kids going to the high school, then, you know, you have enough kids to really form a team and just about anything. Yeah. And so we had bowling, you know, um, but anyway, so I loved it. And then I uh, went to college and it started to taper off at that point. And then after that, um, you know, I started working evening. So mm-hmm. my bucket list for 38 years was, man, when I retire, I'm going to join a bowling league again. <laughs> and so anyway, I joined, uh, have you ever gone to the store when you're hungry? All the time. Yeah. And then you just <laughs> buying too much. <clears throat> yeah. Well, it, this was kind of like that. And I had, I had been waiting to do this for 38 years and I went down to the bowling alley and I had Tom coming up to me and saying, Hey, do you want to join the money and light league? Sure. You know, and then here comes, you know, Bob, Hey, you want to join our two? Sure. <laughs> then here comes Phil. Hey, how about Thursday? Yeah. 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 Deal me in. You know, next <laughs> thing I know I'm in three bowling leagues. And the problem was, is I thought these leagues were like 12 weeks long. Mm-hmm. And then I found out after I got signed up for them all that, no, nope, they're actually 31 weeks long. So these, all three of these le- leagues are going to go all the way through April of next year. And uh, I had to come home with my tail between my legs. And I said, <laughs> hey, hey, honey, um, I just bought, signed up for three bowling leagues and it's going to cost us like over $2,000 uh, if you add it all up. And she, she was like, not speaking to me for, no, I'm just kidding. Vicky's he's a very good sport. But anyway, it was embarrassing actually. Cause I had to come home. I literally had to come home and tell Vicky, you know, like, oh my God, I've just spent like, <laughs> I don't know what I signed up for. Right, right, right. Um, and so anyway, so, but, but I'm having a blast, you know, I'm not as good as I want to be, but I'm having a blast. You yeah. bowled over 200 recently, didn't you? I bowled a 203 last night, but I'm not going to tell you what the other two scores were. I was all over them. <laughs> All it doesn't matter. Map. You got the two hundred three. That's right. Yeah, that's all we're talking about. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I um right now I'm averaging about. Well, it depends on what league. It's weird because some uh, my Monday night league I'm awful, uh, but for some reason my Thursday night league I'm I'm over one eighty uh, oh, average wow. in the Thursday night league. Yeah, I'm a, like a one fifty five in the Monday Monday league. Now it's you know me coming off the weekend. I guess I don't yeah. know what it is. So <laughs> anyway, Panthers win. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, life life's been good. Um, and I'm just uh, happy that, uh, you know, I'm able to contribute, you mm-hmm. know, to society. That's all yeah. I really still want to be able to do. Yeah. And have purpose. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so how did you get your start in, um, TV weather? <laughs> um, talk to us about that a little well, bit. Well, that's, that's a, that's actually a crazy story. That'll fill up your second half hour here. Yeah. And, and uh, I've, I've heard it before, but our yeah. listeners haven't. So, well, you know, it's funny because if you go to most of the Facebook pages with meteorologists, um, you know, on, te- on television, but maybe, mm-hmm. maybe all meteorologists, you know, almost always you're going to see their bio that says, oh yeah, you know, I, I love weather since the age of four and you got my first weather book at five and it's all I ever wanted to do. And well, that wasn't the case with me. Um, I wanted to be a pilot my entire childhood. It's all I thought about was I want to be a pilot. I want to fly. You know, we grew up under the uh, landing pattern at Pittsburgh International Airport. Oh, so, wow. so, you know, from the age of three, I was pointing to the sky mm-hmm. and loving these big birds flying over, you know? And so, okay. So then I got all the way through school, uh, through, well, I was a junior in high school and my dad came up to me and said, okay, it's crunch time. What are we doing? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I've made my decision, dad. Uh, I still want to be a pilot. 
And he goes, okay, how do you want to do that? I said, well, I thought I'd go to a civilian flight school, you know, maybe Embry-Riddle, which is one everybody talks about, mm-hmm. you know, in Florida or a Florida Institute of Technology, I think had a good one, but you know, they're all over the place. He goes, really? He goes, okay, so I got a problem with that. He goes, uh, what if you go through, you know, your four five, six years of flight training and you, you get certified to be a commercial airline pilot and, um, Everything's great. And then a year later, you develop uh, an eyesight problem mm. or you have a heart murmur or, or, or something that basically disqualifies you, you know, from flying. He goes, what are you going to do? You're, you're going to have a worthless piece of paper, yeah. you know, um, certificate, you know, that says, you know, you can fly. And I went, huh? Yeah, that that that, that would be a problem. And, and he goes, listen, why don't you do this? Why don't you go to college? get a four-year degree. Um, and then when you come out with that degree, you can go right into the military as an officer. And then they will they will put you right into flight training. You'll mm. go in as an officer and you go right in. I said, wow, that sounds pretty good. And so I thought, okay, uh, I can do that. And so then I thought, all right, well, wait a minute though. What is the, if I do that, what is the most desirable degree, you know, that the military would want, mm-hmm. you know, to give me the best chance to get accepted into flight school. And so I did some research and I found out that the two degrees that were the most sought after degrees for, for military pilots was aeronautical engineering sense and meteorology. <laughs> and I thought, huh, well, I mean, and really and truly, I mean, I was interested in weather. I really, really was, but I never really thought of it as a career um, and the main reason for that, especially if it comes to TV is back then Pittsburgh was a really big TV market mm-hmm. back, back in those days. And because of that, you didn't get on Pittsburgh news four years out of college. You, you know, I mean, that, that was a, a market where you had to have 20, 25 years of experience before you'd get hired in Pittsburgh, Wow, you know? And so because of that, I grew up watching these meteorologists who were all like 45, 50, 55 years old. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I just thought that's just the way it worked, you know, yeah. all around. I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't sophisticated enough to think, oh, there's big TV markets and there's little TV markets. There's big, you know, mm-hmm. just figured that's just the way it works in TV. Yeah. So I, I just thought I, I never, it never occurred to me that, gee, I'm going to go to college and be a TV weatherman. It just was the furthest thing from my mind. <clears throat> and so, um, but nonetheless, I was fascinated by by weather, and and um, I so I went to Penn State, and and I studied uh, meteorology for four years, and I got my degree. And uh, by the way, it's a very hard degree to get to. Uh, a lot of people think, oh, what do you do? Go up there and study the clouds and memorize a cumulus cloud, you know, in a cirrus. But I mean, the the math we take the math series farther than every engineering uh, curriculum up at Penn State. Wow! Uh, except for uh, two, it's it's it's. Uh, Electrical engineering and I think chemical engineering were the only two that were tied with us. Wow. For as much math as we had to take. So yeah, it's it's a tough degree. But okay. So I get out of Penn State and everything's working out perfectly. I I apply for the uh the US Navy and uh, I get accepted. So I mean everything was spot on, you yeah. know. And so um I go down to the Navy in October of eighty two and um the first two weeks are all orientation physical before you even get into boot camp. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, wouldn't you know it, um, I failed the physical, um, they put, they, what they do is they put you in this pressure chamber mm-hmm. where they, they modify the pressure rapidly in it to simulate like you going up and down to the atmosphere, like you'd be in a fighter jet. Okay. And, and so what happens is, is they fly you up into the atmosphere and then they fly you back down into the atmosphere. And so what happens is, you know, and I'm sure this has all happened to you, whether you're driving up into a mountain or, or you're on an airplane, you feel your ears popping. 
right? Yep. All right. So as you're going up into the atmosphere, your ears are popping basically outward. And then as you're coming down into the atmosphere, the, the pressure of the air is pushing your eardrums inward. inward. Just like when you dive deep into a pool or I don't know, have you ever scuba dived? I did once in a pool, 12 feet. So. Oh, did you? Okay. So you have some idea. A little bit. Yeah. But <clears throat> when you really get out in the ocean and you're scuba diving, what they do is they tell you to you know, pinch your nose mm-hmm. if you're going deep. Okay. So you got to pinch your nose like I'm doing right now. You can probably hear. And then you got to blow through your nose and pop your ears. And, you know, like, and that's called Valsalva. Okay. All right. So you're supposed to pinch your nose and blow, you know, um, and it's kind of regulating. Yeah. Well, it'll pop your eardrums back out. Gotcha. Okay. So it's fighting off the, the water that's trying to push your eardrums in. Okay. And so it's the same thing in the atmosphere. uh, All right. Because, you know, at the air, and li- liquid and, and gas are are both under the fluid umbrella. They're both fluids, quote mm-hmm. unquote. And and you know, so there's a difference between a fluid and a liquid. Um, and so they they behave similarly. And so as you're coming down through the atmosphere, same thing as the water, the air is pushing your eardrums in. So you got to blow through your nose and, and pop your eardrums back out. Well, what happened uh, to me was it was working fine on my right ear. My my left eardrum was not reacting at all. Mm. And so I came all the way back down to the to the ground, um, simulated, of course. And, you know, of course, they tell you over the intercom, you know, remember now, if you're experiencing any discomfort, raise your hand and we will stop the ride. You know, and all this. Well, I didn't raise my hand because I didn't want to fail the physical. Correct. You know, or fail the test or whatever. And and so I'm sitting there going, oh, my gosh, this is killing me. My my left ear is killing me. And then finally, all of a sudden it burst and a, a blood vessel burst in my eardrum. And at that point, I couldn't conceal my discomfort anymore. Yeah. And, I, and I started screaming like a baby. <laughs> and and so they came running in and uh, I was yelling my ear, my ear. And so they this tube dropped down from the ceiling and they jammed this tube up my nose and they turned on this air that hurt even more. And and it blew my ear out. I don't know what Ooh. was going on. Yeah, yeah. And so anyway, once they calmed me down, you know, the flight instructors, uh, they, they said, well, OK, the first thing is you should have followed directions. <laughs> so th- that's number one. Um, but uh, they said, look, here's the deal. Um, this happens a lot and we're going to send you up to the flight surgeon. Um, usually it's like you have an allergy or you're a little clogged up. You got a cold, whatever, you know, get you cleared up. We'll get you right back in. So I go up to the flight surgeon and and she does a uh, it's a, f- a female and she does all these tests on me and x-rays and stuff like that. And finally comes out with the results. And she says, well, I've got good news and I've got bad. news." She said, the good news is, is you don't have a cold. Uh, she said, the bad news is you have a defective eustachian tube. That's that sinus tube that kind of connects your mouth to your, your mm-hmm. throat, to your ears, you know? And she said, your eustachian tube, your sinus tube is so narrow that you cannot manually blow air up through your, your, your eustachian tube. And she said, the only way I could fix that is to get a surgical instrument. I could puncture your eardrum and go down and like roto-rooter your, your eustachian tube out. And she goes, but then you'd fail the physical because you had a punctured eardrum. So she said, I, there's nothing I can do for you. You're caught between a rock and a hard place and uh, you're done. You failed. Thanks for your interest in United States. And so 24 hours later, I was back in Pittsburgh sitting at the foot of my bed saying, you know, like, what the heck just happened? Yeah. You know, it was a 21 year dream that just went poof. It was going accordingly until. Yeah. Yeah. And so now I'm sitting at the foot of my bed um, in the fall of 1982 going, wow, my dream of flying just came to a crashing end. um, But I still have my degree in meteorology. And so through a number of twists and turns. Um, I did end up, I, I uh, ended up at um, a small, as it turns out, a small station, 
you know, right outside of Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I went down there and uh, still went down there with no idea that I would ever end up on television. Um, I was just doing an unpaid internship down and um, in production in the back of the TV station. And it wasn't until one day where the meteorologist kind of walked through that part of the building. And he said to me, he saw me and he said, um, are you the intern? And I said, yes, sir, I am. And he goes, um, did I hear that you're a meteorologist? And I said, yes, sir, I, I am. And he goes, well, what the hell are you doing an internship back here for? And I said, I don't know. You know, cause I really, you know, just sort of desperately went down there. Trying to get a foot in the door. Yeah. And, and he goes, well, do you want to come back and see the weather office? And I said, yes, sir, I would love that. And, and, and it was sort of funny because I, this is like I'd been down there for three weeks and it was just a torture. You know, I was not having a good time back in that part of the building. And um, I walked into his weather office and it felt like the Wizard of Oz. You know, when you go from the black and white part of the movie to the color part. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I walked through this door and I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I am home. The yellow brick road. Yeah, I am back. Yeah, home. And uh, I had all these weather charts on the wall and it was just so much fun. And uh, so just to tell you that the rest of the story, how I ended up getting on the air. So what happened was is, you know, this was like in September. And he says, look, um, I am um, I'm, I'm taking a vacation on October 17th. Uh, he goes, would you uh, would you be interested in maybe trying to fill in for me? I was like, whoa, um, y- yeah, yeah, I, I, it would be great. I mean, because I had been in a rock band at Penn State, mm-hmm. which was one of these twists and turns I was telling you about mm-hmm. after the Navy. And um, so I was already comfortable, you know, out in front of people performing, you know, and all of that. And and so um, it really didn't, you know, intimidate me that much. And so he said, well, let's go. Let's start practicing. And so for the next two or three weeks, you know, I was up in front of the weather wall and I'm practicing and, uh, you know, getting better at making the forecast and all these all this stuff. And so finally, um, the day came where he said, OK, let's let's take uh, your tape because, you know, we recorded it. OK, he says, let's take your tape down to uh, Bob's office. He's the boss. And let's see if he'll let you fill in. So we go down and uh, we sit down in Bob's office and he pops the tape in the uh, in the player and up on the screen. I come and he's sitting there and he's watching me and he goes, OK, he says, uh, yeah, he uh, you're not good enough. And I was like, oh, darn it. You know, and he goes, but but look, you know, I'll tell you what, you can still make the forecast for the station. Come on down, make the forecast, you know, set up the weather maps. And I thought to myself, well, this is still good resume material. Yeah. I mean, it is. I am actually making a forecast for a TV station. Mm-hmm. I, th- I was still, you know, I was still okay with it, <laughs> you know? And, and so, um, so and at the same time, he calls uh, Karen and who was the blue eyed blonde reporter and, and says, Karen, um, you're going to fill in for Mark next week. Uh, you're going to do weather. Well, Karen wasn't too happy about it. Karen was a journalist and Karen looks at him and says, no, you know, I'm not going to do it. Uh, I'm not a weather bunny. <laughs> you know, um, and uh, he goes, no, yeah, you are going to do it. I'm the boss. And I said so. So she goes huffing out of the office. And uh, that was the end of it. So Monday, uh, October 17th rolls around and I'm still living up, you know, with my parents. It's an unpaid internship. Yep. And uh, it's about a 45 or 50 mile drive each way. You oh, know, wow. so it was it's a little hike. It was a hike, especially for an unpaid internship. Correct. And so I'm getting ready to leave and I'm running a little bit late. And my mom says, hey, um, why don't you go back upstairs and get a coat and tie just in case? I'm like, well, you know what, mom? I'm <laughs> it's a 50 mile drive. No, go upstairs and get a coat and tie and get thrown. Yes, ma'am. So 
So, okay. So I get a coat of tie and I throw it in the car. I drive the 50 miles down to the station. I walk in the back door of the employee entrance. And the moment I walk in the back door, it's a long haul there. And around the corner at the far end of the hall, Bob is the boss, comes around the corner and he starts walking right toward me. And uh, we meet in the middle and he looks right up at me. and He says, uh, <clears throat> Karen, the reporter just called in sick. And he, you know, uses the coincidence, <laughs> uses the quotation marks with his fingers, you know. And uh, he was obviously in a bad mood. And he goes, um, can you go on? Tonight? And I said, Bob, I just happen to have a coat and a tie in the back of the car. So you didn't wear it in. No, 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 no. <laughs> and, and he goes, great. Well, you're on tonight. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's I, happening. I cannot believe this. I'm going on tonight. So so I ran down to the um, this is an adult audience. Listen, it is. Right? OK, yes. Yeah, so I ran down to the bathroom and I had diarrhea. I was really, really nervous. <laughs> You know, and, <laughs> yeah. um, so, okay. So then from there, I run down to the weather office. I pick up the phone. I call my mom and I said, mom, I said, you're a genius. <laughs> I said, I'm going on tonight. And so my mom hangs up the phone and she runs and has diarrhea. <laughs> so, so anyway, runs in the family, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, we're both so nervous. So <laughs> she, she calls everybody in Pittsburgh. It says, my son is going to be on TV tonight, you know? And, uh, so anyway, six o'clock rolls around and, um, you know, I'm sitting there and that's okay. Here we go. Stand by three, two, one, cue. And uh, the anchor, in, so the red light comes on. And the first thing I thought about when that red light on the camera comes on is I just said to myself, okay, you didn't die. You're still here. And uh, the anchor turns toward me and introduces me. And so then I go over and I do my four minute weather cast. <clears throat> I felt pretty good about it. I even cracked a joke in it somewhere. <laughs> and I felt pretty good about it. And so I get off the, uh, I get off the, the weather ends. I survived. And, uh, as I say, I, I actually felt pretty good about, it. I thought it was maybe better than even the practice tapes yeah. I had been making. And so, uh, about 30 seconds later, the boss walks into the studio and he yells across the studio and he says, Hey, Eric, great job. You've got it the rest of the week. <clears throat> I was like, wow. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm doing this <laughs> um, stuff for the entire week. Yeah. And, uh, so that way he could put Karen, the uh, reporter back on the beat, you know, and settle that score. And so anyway, um, so I did it the whole rest of the week. Uh, couldn't believe it. And then, um, you know, it was such a small TV station that they didn't even have a weather person doing weekends. And so um, they were just reading it from the desk. So uh -huh. I walked back in and I said to Bob, I said, look, um, I said, you guys don't even have a weather person, you know, over the week. Um, I said, uh, uh, look, uh, would you be okay with me coming down? I'll do, I'll do your weather for free over the weekends. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing an unpaid internship. Right. You know, I'm a, I'm a Penn state meteorologist. You know, I, I can do it for free for weekends for the rest of he's like, yeah, sure. No problem. You know? So that kept me kind of practicing, mm -hmm. you know? And so I was able to do weekend weather, uh, for the remainder of the fall, all the way through the new year. And then after the new year hit 1984, uh, he called me down and hired me, you know? Um, and I wasn't doing weather right out of the gate because they were still trying to, you know, work out all the shifts mm -hmm. and everything. But they he hired me. And uh, but I and then I was only there for six months before I got hired in Louisiana. So, um, you know, and so then I went to Louisiana in the summer of 84. And then I was down there for four years. And then uh, I came up here in the summer of 88. WBTV yeah. picked you up. Yeah. Yeah. And I came up here as the weekend guy in 88. Um, and then they moved me to mornings, Monday through Friday, morning and noon. Um on in 1990 and then i went to weeknights in uh 93 up until all the way December, up until christmas eve it's christmas eve show right yeah that was your last airing wasn't it? my last show was christmas eve and i was tracking santa claus yeah that's how i went out it's a way to go out yeah <laughs> not bad no which shift did you like best well i mean 
um, for me, from an ego standpoint, you know, I wanted the evenings cause that's True. the primetime show. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's where you feel like you're, 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 you've made it kind of, yeah. Yeah. That's where you feel like you're getting the most bang for your buck. Um, mornings, you know, um, is, is not a bad shift in this business, especially back then when the news didn't come on until six 30 in the morning. Now it's what, five, four, it's like four, four 30. It's you a, know, yeah. 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 So back, back then, I mean, it was a cakewalk. It was a 30 minute show at 30, you know, at six 30 to seven when I first got here. And I mean, it, it didn't feel like a cakewalk to me because I was not a morning person. Um, <laughs> but you know, it was funny because in the very early days, they didn't even use me on the noon show because the noon show was called top of the day, uh-huh. uh, was actually run out of a different department. And, and they didn't, wa- the problem was, is I was still doing weekends and three mornings a week mm-hmm. and they didn't want somebody who was only going to be on three days a week. They, they, you know, and so they don't, it was either all or nothing. Mm-hmm. So all I was doing was just these three morning shows. Um, and um, gosh, you, know, you go in there at five o'clock in the morning, you knock out the six 30 show. And then at seven o'clock, you're not quite done. You're still doing a few cut-ins with that CBS morning show. Mm-hmm. But by nine o'clock, I mean, there was, I was pretty much done, you know, now I didn't leave every day at nine o'clock, you know, <laughs> because there was other things to do. But I mean, it was just a, uh, it was a pretty easy, pretty easy shift. So what, yeah. For the listeners and myself included, what goes into meteorology behind the scenes? Because you're not just airing it. I mean, that's part of it, but you're tracking stuff. And right. Like, how does that work? Yeah. Well, um, you know, it's funny because I, I, I don't think there's as many people who have this impression today that they used to, but I used to get a lot of people who would come up to me and say, so what do you exactly do you do? Do you just kind of like read the weather like that the people, you know, people send you, you know, like uh, AccuWeather and stuff like that? <laughs> And I said, no, actually, I'm a meteorologist, you know, so <laughs> I agree. I do make a <laughs> forecast, you know, and I said, I do the same thing that they do at AccuWeather or the National Weather Service. Mm-hmm. And um, but yeah, so when when we would have a, a school tour, um, you know, I would t- I would boil it down for the kids, you know, the students who were who were visiting, especially the younger kids. I would say, well, I have three parts of my job. Part one is I have to do my homework. Uh, then part two is I get to drop pictures. And then part three is, is I get to go out and, you know, communicate, you know, Mm -hmm. tell the story. Correct. And so, so yeah. So part one, what does that mean? Do my homework. Well, that's where, you know, you sort of unfold all the weather charts and you look at all of the data and you look at, well, what, what is, you know, in some cases, what is the past data? What is the present data? And then, you know, you kind of extrapolate out how are storm systems moving or whatever. And then you can kind of extrapolate out like, okay, well, if this is where the storm was yesterday, here's where it is today. And so therefore here's where it's going to be tomorrow, you know? And so you can try to extrapolate, you know, how things are moving, you know, and then you're looking at temperatures, cold air masses, warm air masses. You're looking at, you know, on a more local level, you're trying to determine like, okay, how many hours of sunshine are we? So therefore what's our high temperature going to be based on, you know, hours of sunshine or, or, you know, or you're calculating how much rain we're going to have and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I mean, I could ramble on about that forever. And so then once you actually then make the forecast, then then you move into phase two, which is putting together all the computer graphics, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so that's going to be your PowerPoint presentation. So that those are the slides that help you, you know, tell your story. Yeah. You know, um, and then part three is, you know, strap on the microphone, what we're doing right now mm-hmm. and and communicate, you know, and tell your story to the public. And so that's that's kind of the it boiled down, you know, into into the three basic parts. Yeah. You know. And then, of course, you know, you have other things like public appearances and things like mm-hmm. that. But uh, but that's all sort of, you know, extracurricular stuff. Yeah. There. So, yeah. 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 And I remember going uh, up to the studio a few times back in the day with Land. 
mm-hmm. and Tyler. I think we went one time after a checkers game. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Tyler and I got a puck that night. Oh, nice. And, yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it, it was fun. I mean, you know, people would call and ask if they could have tours. You know, I would, I would, it wasn't just for, you know, friends of the family. I mean, Correct. if people called, I almost always, I would try to, you know, give them a tour. You know, usually, you know, I'd want them affiliated with the school some, somehow, mm-hmm. you, you, you know, um, every once in a while you, you get somebody calling you saying, Hey, I want to come up there. And you're like, uh, let's see, you sound like you're 50 years old. What, you know, what's what for? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I'd, I'd like to meet Maureen. Oh, well, no, I don't think so. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know. So anyway, but so, you know, you got to be a little bit careful, you know, with that who really you bring, bring up to the station. Um, yes, actually it, it has. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I, mean, I guess you can't put it past people. Oh, no. I mean, they're capable of anything. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why we, that's why they build a wrought iron fence around the station finally, you know, but anyway, <laughs> that's funny. Well, yeah. Um, so before we wrap up, what advice would you have for our listeners? Um, I like to ask just all of our guests kind of so I can accumulate advice, but advice that your family taught you, something you learned along the way, um, school or TV. Um, mm, yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll answer it twice. It's the, your the, show. The, so. the, the, the first the first answer I'll give you is I always uh, one of my uh, family members, uh, Zach asked me one time he was young he was visiting and he said uh uncle eric he said uh can you please tell me what what do i need to do to get rich and i said well first of all you're asking the wrong guy <laughs> i said but uh no and so i told so this is more career advice you know and i and i told zach i said all right it's a three-part process part one is identify what you love you know i mean you you really you, you know you've just got to be true to yourself you know and figure out what is it that you love and then I said, once you identify that, then try to find a, you know, a, um, a vocation, you know, that kind of serves that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so, you know, know what you love, then pursue what you love. And I said, if, you know, if, if, if you pursue what you love, your chances are, you're going to be good at it. And if you're good at it, then chances are, you're going to get paid well, yeah. you know, for it. I said, but even if you don't get paid well for it, you can still, you're still going to fall back and you still know you're doing what you love. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's the most important part. If you mm-hmm. get paid, that's great. Uh, but if, as long as you're doing what you love and you feel like you're fulfilled, you know, and you're serving a purpose, um, then you still, you've still got this game of life beat, yep, you know, exactly. um, you know, and, and that kind of overlaps, I guess, a little bit into, you know, the advice I would give people, um, just for life advice you know, is just always try to wake up every day and ask yourself, how can I serve the greater good? Mm -hmm. You know, because if, if, if you keep your focus on serving others, you know, and putting others ahead of yourself, I'm going to tell you, man, it, you will feel a sense of fulfillment. You will be rewarded. And I'm not talking about necessarily being rewarded, uh, like, oh, well, God's going to, you know, send me, you know, this big gift. You know, um, maybe it will happen. I'm not saying it won't, but um, I'm just saying that there is just an intrinsic reward, this fulfillment that you get, you know, when when you're when you're just looking out for others. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when, um, you know, if, if you go back to when I was early in my career, um, remember, I told you I was at, at, at that first station for only six months. Correct. So 
I thought, wow, I'm kind of a hot shot. You know, I've already been recruited by another TV station, you know? And so then I went down to Monroe, Louisiana and I thought, and I signed an 18 month contract. I thought, okay, well, that's going to be it for here. And then I'm going to be hitting a major market, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, four years later, I'm still down there (laughs) floundering around. Well, what happened was, is uh, once I got past that first 18 months and nobody took any interest in me at all, and then two years came and went and three years came and went, nobody took any interest in me. And, and so what happened was, is I just dropped to my knees one day, you know, and I looked up at the cross on the wall that I had there and I just said, all right, Lord, I said, you know what? Um, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done focusing on Eric, you know? Um, and I just said, let your will be done, not mine. You know, and and I said, I, my prayer was, if this is where I meant to be, if this is where you want me, then let it be done. And, and my prayer is that just help me make Monroe, Louisiana, the best place I can. Mm. And when I had that conversation, um, I felt a sense of peace come over me, you know, and all of a sudden I felt, I, I went from being this frustrated person, like I'm not getting what I want. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. To, wow, I've got a new purpose now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I can be an extension of the right hand of the Lord and go out and and help other people. I'm I'm really in a lot better shape than I was allowing myself to believe. Yeah. You know, and and so I thought, um, wow, you know, I'm I'm OK now. I'm relaxed and um, I'm ready to go forward, you know, and, and I don't know if this whole new sort of demeanor that I had, this whole spirit that I had now was responsible for because it wasn't long after that where i got my chance mm-hmm. you know to leave monroe louisiana yeah you know and 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 you know so i don't know if that helped maybe my shows were better mm-hmm. you know um and maybe i was just less tense or whatever i don't know what but um but yeah so after i had that sort of come to jesus moment you know um my life kind of turned around you know and and, and again I, so i'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, since I prayed to, to Jesus, you know, he, 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 he sent me that gift. Uh, I, I don't necessarily know if that happened or not. I mean, because it could have just been just as easily been a look, you know, just a function of 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 just get, handing yourself over, handing control over. Yeah. You know, and 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 maybe that's what we're being told is not so much. Look, if you do this, I'm going to give you a reward. It's more like, no, if you do this, if you follow the recipe, you will be by default rewarded. Correct. That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. You know, I always sort of looked at, you know, God and, and Jesus, not so much like, you know, I mean, if you just like talk about the Ten Commandments or something, not so much like, OK, here are the rules and you better follow them. And if you don't, you're in trouble, yeah. you know, and, and, and if you do follow them, then, you know, then you're, you're going to get to come to the front of the class. Mm-hmm. I, I never really thought of it so much that way. I always just thought of 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 these uh, these guidelines, you know, if you will, that were given near the commandments, however you want to look at it, mm-hmm. as as just a recipe for um you know, you know for just living a fulfilled life. Um, you know, I always my vision of of the Holy Father was just that. This is a father figure. This is you know he is he is a father who's wanting the best for his son. Yes. You know, and if you if you follow these signs on the road, you know, then you will have a fulfilling life, a rewarded life. Mm-hmm. Um, so and that's and that's I, I sort of feel like I discovered that, you, you know, um, by, again, handing that control and that faith over, yeah. you know, um, and um, that would be my advice is this have faith, keep the faith, you know, keep 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 your vision turned outward, not inward. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and yeah. um, 
and that will rub off. People will notice and they'll want to be you know, associated with you. And uh, that, you know, usually things. And that's where I'm at now. So that's great advice because I got laid off this past Friday. So when this comes out, it'll be two weeks past. Um, yeah. And the old me would have been, I'm a failure and just, yeah. you know, I'm never going to be anything. But right. now I'm, you know, I'm looking at this as a blessing because it was a job, not a career. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I want the Lord's will to be done, not mine. I can't do it. Right. When I tried it, I ended up on life support and, you know, wow. <laughs> yeah. Almost got taken out. But been yeah. given a second chance. So um the advice was perfect, you know, even for me to oh, hear. Great. Um great. so yeah, thank you. Um yeah. Because I'm trying to figure out what the career is and purpose. Uh, right. You know, like you said, I don't have to be rich, but I want to have a meaningful and purpose driven yeah. career. Um and trying to figure out what that is. So perfect. Well, it'll work. It I will. mean, you you've you've got a um you've got a great personality, you're loaded with talent. Um and um you know, we're not going to be able to keep you down for long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to enjoy yeah. it while I can. Right. Well, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. That never hurts. No. So anyway, um, no, thank you. Thank yes, you for having me. Yes. Yeah. And um, so if anyone's looking to have a photographer, how can they get in contact with you? Um. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, it's Eric Thomas. So um, my main email is Eric Thomas imaging. Um, so it's all one word, Eric Thomas imaging uh, at gmail.com. That's probably the, just the best way. Be, yep. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, um, yeah, just, just, uh, you know, th- th- throw me a, a note and I'll help you any way I can. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. And then Tuesdays nice at 7 p.m. Tuesdays at 7. Um, keep, you know, anybody out there who knows anybody who's thinking about adopting, uh, it's a great, great feature. Uh, these kids are just unbelievably resilient. Yeah. You know, um, it is no fault of their own you know, the situation they're in. And, um, I, I can't tell you how many kids we talk to, you know, when you say, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? And the answer is I want to help others. It's like, well, wait a minute. You've just had, you've just been dealt the worst hand out of anybody. You know, why aren't you bitter? You know, Mm -hmm. why aren't you angry? Uh, I don't say that. I'm thinking that, Correct. you know, and, but yet and it's the exact opposite. (laughs) You know, they're like, I I want other, I want other kids to avoid what I went through and I Mm -hmm. want to try to, you know, help. Yeah. And it's just like, my gosh, it's just, to sit there and listen to them talk like that when I know what they've been through is uh, re- just remarkable. So the human spirit, man. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank yeah. you for taking time and uh, coming Absolutely. on the show and yeah. sharing your story and journey. Yeah. Uh, so thank you. Well, it's been a blessing and hopefully I can keep, you know, paying it forward. Yes. Thank you. All right, pal. Well, thank you all for tuning in this week to the rabbit hole show. Um, Stay tuned for next week's content and uh, go subscribe on whatever platform you listen to. And any questions, comments, or want to come on the show, just shoot us an email, show 21 at gmail.com. Thank you and stay tuned for next week.